right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Freedom Talks podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure to have on Colin Carr today. Colin Carr is in healthcare real estate, and it's kind of, I'm, I'm just, uh, Colin's people reached out to me uh, to have him on, and I was uh, really excited because it's not really something that we've talked about, and um, you know, people don't realize that that's a big, a big part of uh, the, the healthcare world in terms of especially us being a private company, and um, you know, we have space, and we need to pay for that space in order to. Um, have patients in the clinic. And so um, it, it's it's a pleasure to have you on, Colin. How are you? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. So I guess, Colin, could you just kind of give me a little background, like where are you based out of, um, kind of what what is it that you do exactly? Absolutely. So our corporate office is in Denver, Colorado, and we have uh, agents, real estate brokers across the country. We do business in all 50 states plus D.C., uh, we've got about 40 different offices or markets that we are uh, housed out of, and we represent the commercial real estate needs of healthcare tenants and buyers. So we have a really unique niche that we're, we're only on the commercial side. We don't do residential. And then we only do healthcare. And then on top of that, we only represent tenants and buyers who are the healthcare providers. So it's it focused and as specialized as you could possibly be. And we have the privilege of representing thousands of healthcare providers every year with the real estate. So whether it's a lease renewal, uh, purchasing a building or condo, buying land, relocating to a new space, opening additional offices, anything with real estate we work in. And uh, I mean, so the mission of the company clearly healthcare based. Was there was that just uh, an area in the market where that your company felt that, uh, and you felt that that was where you could be most helpful and obviously provide the most value. Um, and then why does specializing in specifically healthcare real estate um, help you provide the best possible solution to your clients? Yeah, two great questions. The way that I got into healthcare real estate uh, happened a little bit by default. Uh, I, so I, started, I started managing apartment complexes when I was 19 years old. That's, wow. that's real estate's all I've ever done. I got my broker's license when I was 23, and I started working for a company that did Walmart, Wendy's, Blockbuster, a lot of large national retailers. Uh, worked there a couple of years, moved to a larger firm, and I started doing a lot of office and industrial work. And uh, a landlord that I had uh, done a lot of work for purchased a medical office building, and that was my entry into the medical space. I, I found that I loved healthcare, and so I started doing a lot more of it. And I had a couple really interesting interactions that led to me starting this company. And I'll, I'll describe one quickly. I, we were working on a, on a property. It was owned by a large uh, REIT. So Real Estate Investment Trust, which is a publicly traded company. You give them money, they buy real estate. It's like a stock. And this landlord owned hundreds of millions of dollars of real estate, extremely savvy. And I had a, a couple of buildings that I represented for them as the listing agent. And a number of healthcare providers, a number of physicians, uh, you know, chiropractors, dentists, people showed up and they, they wanted to leave space there. And a couple of them had uh, agents representing their interests that knew what they were doing. And a couple showed up and they did not have uh, any representation. And I watched a number of transactions go by where the, the healthcare providers that did not have representation got completely manhandled. And the differences in the economics of the deals were literally hundreds of thousands of dollars. 
you know, one, one person shows up at ENT showed up and had excellent representation. The person knew what they were doing and they locked in a lease rate at $24 a square foot. And then uh, a plastic surgeon was getting ready to do a lease renewal. And the landlord asked me the question. He said, does he know the market? And I had spoken with him and I said, no, he doesn't have a clue about the market. He asked me, does he have an agent representing him? I said, no, he's doing it himself. And he said, do you think he's willing to move? And I said, no, I've, I've, he's already told me he doesn't want to move. He's blown his whole posture. And the landlord said, um, go back to about $31 a square foot. Wow. And I said, you know, that's a, a little egregious, don't you think? And, and his response to me was market lease rate is the most he's willing to pay. And I had a couple of those scenarios where, and I get it. I mean, ever if you're going to sell your house, you'd want the highest price for your house. If you were going to yeah. sell anything, you, I mean, if you own a boat or you own a car, you own a house, you, you're going to sell it. If someone's want to pay you for it, you're going to say that great, I'll, I'll take it. Uh, but I had a couple of those situations where I realized that the healthcare providers needed someone to focus just on their side. And it inspired me to pursue more tenant and buyer rep healthcare. And then after probably about a year and a half of doing that, I started our company car uh, in 2009. And that's, that's all we do now today. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, you know, a lot of these healthcare providers, uh, they, they don't, originally get into it for, uh, I would say the money, like ultimately they have to have a passion for it. And a lot of them at the base really just want to help people in the field that they're super passionate about. Um, you know, obviously for us, it's physical therapy. And like you were saying, ENT, like all these doctors, surgeons, yeah, there's, there's, they get good compensation for their, for what they do, but, um, ultimately they want to treat patients and get them better. They don't always necessarily have uh, a business background. Um, so it's nice that they have someone to, to lean on. Um, so you talked about, uh, provide, so you, so one of the questions, um, that I have is, so you, you, you spoke about a hundred thousand dollars in savings that the healthcare providers can potentially save by, um, possibly using your services, how, how does that exactly work or what should they look for um, to help save them money? Absolutely. Well, so that, that answer to the question starts with understanding what's on the line during a commercial real estate transaction. I think a lot of people have the misunderstanding of that everything's going to be relatively market. Like you go to buy sundries or merchandise for your practice and, you know, there's so much competition with supplies or equipment or technology. There's kind of a, what's considered to be a, a fair value for a lot of equipment or technology or sundries in commercial real estate that, that doesn't exist. And so you could have two tenants in the same building and one could be paying $20 a square foot and one could be paying $25 per square foot. Well, you, you take, let's say $5 a square foot difference times 3000 square feet, that's $15,000 per year in, in rental difference. And then you take that over a 10 year period, you got $150,000. And then you look at concepts such as annual increases. If you have a 2% annual increase versus a 3% increase, and if a 2% increase is on $20 a square foot and the 3% is on 25, you get a larger Delta. And then you get into concepts such as free rent, tenant improvement allowance to either build out the space or renovate the space. And you start adding up all of these differences and it is extremely easy to get to $100,000 in savings if you have a proper strategy, if you have expert representation, and if you approach the transaction uh, at the level you should, which is this is a high dollar negotiation worth hundreds of thousands or over a million dollars. If you have a strategy and you have a posture and you have a game plan, 
you can capitalize on the negotiation and the difference between a properly negotiated transaction or an average or poorly negotiated transaction is usually a minimum of a hundred thousand dollars. So is it, so you talked about this landlord earlier that clearly was trying to get the most money out of the deal. And like you said, like, why wouldn't he, why wouldn't he want to make more money? Um, and, and largely when it does come to money, um, it does sometimes become a, someone wins, someone loses. Um, is there ever a situation in which, um, it is a win-win for, for landlord and then tenant, or is it always just like a constant battle of who wins, who loses that kind of thing? There, there definitely is a win-win scenario. And, and that's that's what our, our our goal is in a lot of transactions. We're not trying to put landlords out of business when we're negotiating aggressively or we're trying to get our clients the best possible terms. Our game plan is to get to what would be considered a fair deal. And oftentimes a fair deal looks like a really aggressive deal for the tenant or the buyer, but it's typically a market transaction sure. if the person knows what they're doing. And, and we're, comparing, we're comparing our work and, and healthcare providers should compare their work to what would somebody who's who's publicly traded get? You know, what would a national company get? What would Starbucks or Chipotle get if they were going into a retail space and they were in the same center that you were? Do you think that they would accept a, a, an above market lease rate or a below market tenant improvement allowance or free rent package? They wouldn't. They would they would say, look, we're too savvy for this. We're not going to take this deal. If you don't want to treat us fairly, we're going to leave your building or go somewhere else. And the landlords don't want vacant spaces. They don't want new vacant spaces if it's a if it's a lease renewal negotiation, and they don't want spaces to stay vacant if they could lock down, you know, blue chip tenants. Same thing in an office building or medical office building. If it's if it was a Charles Schwab or a Merrill Lynch that showed up to lease an entire floor, are they gonna are they gonna take a, a bad deal? The answer is no. They're too savvy and they're too sophisticated. And the reality is they negotiate with professional representation. They're not going to go into a transaction and guess. They're not going to wing it. They're going to have done a tremendous amount of research and, and due diligence prior to getting to the table with the, with the landlord for the negotiation, be it a new deal or a lease renewal. And, and they're going to approach it with that type of sophistication. So that's the game plan is how do you get the healthcare provider to approach it with sophistication? Typically, that means they're going to hire representation. They're going to hire someone that understands the healthcare industry and their use, and they need to hire someone that doesn't have a conflict of interest. They can't hire the landlord agent. They can't hire somebody who has several listings in the area because that person has a conflict. If you want to go look at four or five other properties and they represent two of them, then they can't, they can't give you an unbiased opinion. They have, they have a conflict. So uh, you can certainly get to a win-win scenario and, uh, landlords, landlords respect people that, that approach it with sophistication. I, I kind of joke. It's, uh, it, it's like a good boxing match or a good, you know, like MMA fight. You know, there's a little bit of contention up front and then usually when it's done, if it was a good, if it was a good match or a good battle, you know, they hug it out, they shake hands and then they say, Hey, you know, congrats. <laughs> Look forward to seeing you in the future. Best of luck to you. That's how it is with landlords do. Landlords respect people that do their due diligence that do the research, that have a posture, even if they push back, even if they, they whine a little bit, uh, they, they respect that. Yeah. I mean, that's always the sign of a fair deal, right? Both sides are kind of happy, but they're also kind of, uh, there are some points where they wish they would have done better. Uh, <laughs> if, if both sides have those, then, then maybe you've made a, a fair deal. Um, so like, again, going back to that first story that you had about that landlord, like 
clearly getting the win and and making all this money off of this person. Um, what are some strategies that if you're in that other person's or that ENT's shoes, they're trying to stay in their space. Uh, they want to renew their lease, but they obviously don't want to get raked over the coals. Um, what are some strategies that you're going to help them employ uh, to make sure that they're going to get a fair deal on their renewal? So it, it starts with some of the things that we just referenced. Uh, let me give it an order. The first thing is you've got to start at the right the right time frame. If you have a lease renewal coming up and your lease expires in three months, the landlord knows you're not paying attention. They know that you haven't done your due diligence. They know that you haven't, uh, most likely, there could be some exceptions, but they know that you probably have not been paying attention and, and you don't really know what's happening. Uh, if you if you call the landlord yourself as a healthcare provider, it says that you haven't hired representation and the landlord's gonna assume right off the bat that you're not serious about relocating or getting out there because you would have hired a, 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 an advisor they'd be contacting the landlord for you. Uh, it, so if you start the transaction at the right time, that's a big one. Hiring representation, letting them do the communication for you, that speaks loudly. If, if your agent calls the landlord and says, listen, uh, we're willing to consider a lease renewal, but we've already got three properties fully negotiated. So prior to me coming to you to have this discussion, we've been working behind the scenes for the last four months to find options to purchase, options to relocate, uh, more competitive lease rates, higher TI allowances, better buildings, whatever the whatever the reasons are. If, if that's the posture, that landlord knows at this point they've got to compete for your business, and you're not gonna you're not gonna be taken advantage of. So a, a lot of this comes to a head at the idea of of posture and strategy. If if you are going to get the best terms possible, you've got to know what other landlords would be willing to offer you if you want to lease there. You've got to know what your options are if you want to purchase an existing building or condo. You got to know what your options are if you wanted to buy land and build your own building. How does that compare to leasing? And in that scenario, let's say the effective cost of owning is the same or less than leasing. And you got to cut a check no matter what, either to a lender for a mortgage or to a landlord for a lease. If the effective cost of owning because of the tax deductions, principal pay down, other benefits is lower to own than leasing, that becomes a huge posture now against your landlord. It's like, hey, I'm willing to consider staying, but it's got to be competitive. Otherwise I'd make it make a lot more sense for me to go purchase my own piece of ground and build my own building or, or what have you. So factual negotiations, market intelligence, due diligence, having multiple options, having a posture, that's the name of the game for real estate. And that's what sophisticated fortune 500 publicly traded companies do. They have a very specific strategy and every transaction they approach is, is with intentionality. It's, it's no different than treating someone. So different than, than, than a surgery or, or therapy or follow. You have a strategy. You know what the problem is. You know what the potential concerns are. And you approach, you don't just wing it and just throw out some exercise or some treatment. Say, hey, let's just see what happens here. Like That's what most healthcare providers are doing. They're literally just throwing out like, hey, let me just cut you open and, and let, me, let me figure out what's inside and we'll go from there. No x-rays, no MRIs, no CAT scans, or someone walks in and says, hey, I just had this surgery. You're like, well, let's just, let's guess. Let's guess what a good uh, rehab program would be. I mean, that that's literally the equivalent. Yeah, that's what healthcare providers are doing when it comes to their commercial real estate. So, you know, every negotiation, right, uh, piece of advice that I've been given at least is like, you always have to have your walk away point. You always have to have your point where you're going to say, you know, I, I know this going in that if it gets above this, I have to, I have to walk away or whatever it is. And um, 
do you always kind of have to have that mentality as, as well? Or as long as you have a strategy, have you, I guess, have you had a scenario where you have this break even point, you've done all your research and all, all the strat strategy that goes into this planning and, and things like that. And you go to a negotiation and the, the landlord's just super unreasonable. Have you had clients that you're like, Hey, you've just got to walk away at this point. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There, there's definitely, you, you've got to be able to walk away from the deal. We, we tell people all the time, you, you cannot fall in love with one property because you might, you might get left at the altar. Okay. <laughs> you, you just, cause you don't control landlords. You don't control their motivations. You don't know if you're competing. Um, you don't know at what point it doesn't make sense for them to do a, to do a deal or to what point their lender won't let them do a deal. And so we, we definitely do tell clients that they've got to be willing to walk away from a deal. What we typically use as that benchmark for if they should walk away or not is, is predicated upon what are the other options. Again, getting back into the idea of having a posture of having multiple properties, it, it's hard to set an arbitrary number saying, hey, I won't pay more than $25 a square foot sure. if if all the properties are $30 a square foot, you just kind of, you know, you kind of pull that out of thin air and that might not be market. $30 might be market and 25 might be unrealistic. The best way to, to create that walkaway point is, is based on other properties. And a lot of times uh, if, if you've got two properties and they're neck and neck and one's at $20 a square foot and one's at 22, uh, you know, you determine if you're willing to pay a premium or not for the other property. If, if they're neck and neck exactly identical to you, then it's really simple. Sometimes there is the the building that stands out or the space that stands out just head and shoulders above the other properties, better exposure, better access, better parking, better synergy of other tenants, better window lines, whatever it is that is your hot button. And you've got to at that point say, am I willing to pay a premium for this? And there's the business element of it from the standpoint, it's got to make dollars and cents. And it's got to be, you know, facilitate a great patient experience. However, there's also the fact that you're going to be there, you know, six, eight, 10 hours a day, three, four, five days a week. It's like a house. And so sometimes people say, hey, you know what? I know I, I could pay less over here, but just like a house, I'm going to be here every day. I want a better experience. I want a better flow. And then you can choose what you're willing to pay. All right. So I guess uh, the next thing I would like to do um, is kind of, so we kind of went over like, okay, lease negotiations. Uh, what if, what if you're looking to move to a new space or you're looking to expand, uh, maybe grow a location? Um, what are, I guess, step-by-step, step, what are you going to do to, uh, get a new space for a client? Like how, how does that process work? They contact you. Um, what's, what are the, the steps from there? The first step is going to be defining the requirement. What, what areas are we looking at? What's important to you? Uh, sometimes people say, well, I'll go anywhere. That's, that's really challenging. You, you really want to narrow it down. What's the demographic? What's the area? Is this a certain part of the market? Are there other providers you want to be uh, closely uh, related to as far as proximity? You know, where do you want to be? What does it look like? What's important to you? Do you want to be in office? Do you want to be in retail? Do you want to lease? Do you want to purchase? Uh, what's the right amount of square footage? And you don't have to decide lease or purchase. You don't have to decide a retailer office. You just have to have the, a basic understanding as far as what's important to you. And the game plan is to have your agent go to the market, narrow down all the options that clearly don't make sense. So you're not wasting anyone's time looking at those. And then the best scenario is to go out there and look at your options, look at a couple options to lease, look at a couple options to purchase, 
look at your retail options, look at your office options, if, if available. You, you might be in uh, Orange County and you want to be in a certain area and there might be one building. Well, that's, that's pretty straightforward, but at least you know there's <laughs> nothing else out there. You know, in that case, your agent's probably calling on unlisted properties, trying to dig up stuff that no one knows about. If you're in, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma, there might be 15 properties that meet your requirement. If it's a softer market or not as competitive, just depends. And Tulsa is not a soft market, but compared to Orange County, it is. Sure. So it just depends. It depends on the market. Uh, but your ideal game plan is you've got you've got the criteria figured out. You pinpoint the properties that make the most sense, and then you go to the market and you look at them. And then the number one takeaway I can give people listening is you have to negotiate simultaneously with multiple owners. And this is completely different than, than residential real estate. Residential real estate, you, you go look at properties, you search online, you find that house you want and you submit that offer and it's a contract typically. Yep. And once the, once the seller signs that you're locked and loaded, there's chances to get out for due diligence and contingencies, but you're locked and loaded. You, you know, it's against the law to submit binding offers on multiple properties, knowing you're gonna only do one because you're inducing sellers to enter into a contract that you're not going to fulfill unless you fully disclose that, which is another story, but probably not what we're talking about. Sure. In commercial real estate, you you submit offers on three or four properties simultaneously in a non-binding format through an LOI, a letter of intent, or through an RFP, a request for proposal. And in that scenario, it's common to go after three or four properties and it's common to go two, three, four rounds of negotiations. And when you do that, and that, again, it's typically, it's not the doctor doing that or the, the office manager, the administrator, typically it's a, it's an expert real estate agent doing that for you. That puts you in a place where you don't have to wonder, did I missing the best property or did I lock into one property and fall in love with it? And I missed, you know, other properties that were going to be a way better fit for me long-term. You don't have to wonder, you know, did we leave money on the table? Should we have gotten a better lease rate? Should we have gotten a higher TI allowance? If you go two, three, four rounds of negotiations with three or four landlords or owners, you're going to see what they are or are, are not willing to do. And it becomes really clear. If you've got you know, three or four landlords saying, we're going to give you $40 a square foot and tenant improvement allowance, and the fourth is saying $10 a square foot, well, you, you know which one's marketing, which one's not. And so that, that becomes the, the benchmarks, the checks and balances. That's the, that's the measuring stick, if you will, for the deals. And that's how you get to a place where you can make a decision for your real estate with peace of mind, with confidence. And, and that's ultimately what you're getting for. No, no broker or no agent can, should be able to promise you lease rates or TI. They can't say, I can promise you this because markets change, motivations change. There's always variables. What the game plan or what the goal is for healthcare providers is to say that if I'm going to do a transaction, I'm going to do it with confidence and peace of mind. And I'm not going to second guess my decisions. And if I do a five or seven or 10 year lease, I'm going to know I received the best terms possible for, for the life of my lease. And then that way you avoid that buyer's remorse, renter's remorse, what have you. And, and that's the game plan. So, I mean, so then uh, you have some information when you sent me. So uh, there's a potential to increase your net worth by seven figures through commercial real estate. Um, is that something you can do and, and how does that relate to everything that we've been talking about so far? Absolutely. Okay. So let's take the idea that, that the vast majority of healthcare practices have an office space. There's certainly, you know, some, some mobile stuff. There's some telehealth stuff, et cetera. 
Um, that's not the that's not the majority by any means. That's probably less than one percent of healthcare providers out there. So let's just take the idea that every healthcare practice, for the most part, the 99 percentile, has to have an office space. Well, if, if the if the most advantageous position, the best property, the best economic situation is the lease, that's great. There's a lot of scenarios, however, where owning commercial real estate can make the most sense, and here's why: you you receive additional benefits when you purchase. You get to depreciate the asset. You get to depreciate interior finishes. Uh, you get to depreciate the, the actual exterior of the building itself. You can even depreciate some of the uh, like the, the facilities, like the parking lot and, and signage, stuff like that. So you get extra tax deductions when you own that you don't get when you lease, number one. And then the number of reason that people purchase is because they're getting a principal pay down. Every month that they're cutting a check, uh, a portion of that goes to pay down the loan. And so if you've got a scenario where you're leasing at 7,000 a month or you're purchasing at 7,000 a month, that becomes pretty straightforward because when you're leasing 7,000 goes right to the landlord and nothing comes back to you. When you're, when you're owning, you cut a $7,000 check to your mortgage lender. And depending on the term or the rate, 2,000, 3,000, $4,000 uh, could come back to you in the form of, of principal pay down. And if you look at that concept, the average commercial loan is a 20 year loan. You can go 25 years, you can do 15, a couple options there. Typically do not see anything going past 25 though in commercial. And so if you're going to cut a check one way or the other for the next 15, 20 or 25 years, if, if the one scenario of leasing, you know, yields you nothing, the other scenario of, of owning yields you a principal pay down, it, it can easily get to where it's over a million dollars or the property's worth over a million dollars over a 15, 20 year period of time. And a lot of times what happens is the real estate becomes worth more than the practice. It, it's very common to see the real estate uh, that's that's worth more than the actual practice itself. So whether that's a, a building you buy and it's worth 400000 or it's a building you buy it's worth $4 million, we see a huge spread there. Uh, real estate is a very viable way to increase your net worth by seven figures. So... I mean, so is that, is it just a basic accounting decision? Do you think when you're trying to figure out, is it worth it to buy? Is it worth it to lease? Um, is it just coming down to that? Or do you, when you own, is there, you know, is there other things to consider other than just purely, I can make more money potentially uh, by buying? Yeah, good question. It, it starts with, first of all, what's available in the market. There's some markets where there's nothing to own. Like there's okay. no land available. There's no condos or no buildings available. Other markets, there there are really legitimate options to own. Uh, so here's some of the variables you want to look at. It, it's owning's great. It's not always the right decision for everyone. There's not a one size fits all. Here's a couple scenarios where where owning would not be as advantageous. If you think you're going to need a lot more space in the future, and the building you would buy would would stunt your growth or limit you in the future, that's a reason that you maybe would lease and look at uh, owning in the future. If uh, if you don't have the down payment, if you're younger in your practice or cash flow is tighter, leasing can be a really exciting opportunity because landlords will give you a free build out period. They'll give you free rent on top of that. They'll pay for a lot of your build out for physical therapists. Most, most landlords and most markets, they'll pay for the entire build out. So you can get into that with usually no money out of pocket outside of a, a one month security deposit if it's done right. And so if, if leasing is a more competitive uh, scenario, monthly as far as cutting a check, if they'll give you free build out, if they'll pay for the build out, if they'll give you several months of free rent. And then if it gives you flexibility to do maybe a shorter term lease, like a five-year deal versus locking into a purchase where you're expected to be there for 10, 15, 20 years, 
there's a lot of reasons where leasing can make sense. If you find yourself in a scenario where you know that it's going to be the right amount of square footage or you've got room to grow and it's the right location, the right building, you've got the down payment, then owning real estate can, can be an, uh, an excellent way to increase your net worth, to diversify your assets and it, it puts you in a stronger position financially. And so both leasing and purchasing, I guess, what are the biggest mistakes you see providers make ultimately when either choosing the, you know, the wrong option or not having uh, any representation? What are, what are the three biggest things uh, that you need to look out for? Yeah, that's a good question as well. The number one mistake that we see healthcare providers make during real estate transactions is they try to do it themselves. And I know we've hit that a few times, but it's, it's really no different than someone trying to rehab themselves or treat themselves or do surgery themselves. They're not trained in that area. You can search online. You can hear people have to say about it. You can, you can guess your way through it. But typically what happens in that scenario is they usually lose a substantial amount of money and it takes them 30, 40, 50 hours of their time. And then they get exposed to issues in their lease that they didn't know they were supposed to take care of or they didn't do their due diligence on an inspection or a title policy or what have you on a purchase. And so just the whole do it yourself mentality. Uh, if you want to move yourself and you want to use U-Haul versus using someone to, you know, move your furniture. Sure. Like that's fine. When it comes to a million dollar transaction or $2 million transaction, like that's not the time to, to make mistakes and figure it out yourself. I, I feel like that's the, I mean, that's the same thing we, we tell patients when they're treating. It's like, you can go online and try to find as much information to help self-treat as you want, but ultimately, unless you're coming into a specialist, right, that knows what they're doing, like you may be doing more harm than good, and ultimately, you're not going to get the results that you're happy with. So I, I, I understand that point big time. Absolutely. Well, even negotiating, I mean, people will have the mentality, well, it can't hurt to ask for it, and, you know, let's ask for more. That's the equivalent of just saying, well, stretching is good. Stretch is hard as you possibly can. Yeah, exactly. Stretch stretch it as hard as you possibly can. And it just, because you can over negotiate and you can kill a deal. You could submit an offer that's overly aggressive. Mm -hmm. And if you would have submitted a reasonable offer, you would have gotten a reasonable answer. I'll give you an example. Let's say the market lease rate is $20 a square foot. You submit an offer at, at $14 a square foot, they might come back at 22 or 23 because your, your offer was so unreasonable. Yeah. You would have submitted an offer at 1950. They would have come back at 20. Yep. And we see that all the time. If you ask for too much, a lot of times they will proportionally answer uh, negatively. Yep. And I always laugh about that. Like, again, negotiations are not just, they give you a number and you ask for less. Like that's, that's bluffing or bartering. Yep. Like, that's, that's not the negotiation. So there's, the, there's the do-it-yourself mentality. That's typically one that that results in them losing a ton of money, whether they know it or not. Uh, another another problem, and we mentioned this earlier, is not having multiple properties. Just falling in love with one property, going after it, and then you find out later that it's not as good as you thought it was. That maybe the landlord oversold it, or the listing broker overpromised, and then you find yourself in a transaction that it works. Like you're there, and you got a lease, or you you bought it, which is which is good but you missed a huge opportunity. And so that's, that's a big one. Uh, another mistake is the wrong timing. People start too late and then they find themselves up against the wall. Uh, another mistake is they start too early. They, they, they're, they're in their current space. They try to negotiate their landlord two years in advance. And the landlord's thinking like, you, you're locked into this lease for two years and I don't have to give you anything. You have no posture. 
I have no fear of loss here because you can't do anything for the next two years. And so then they, they blow their posture there. Uh, and then one more I could give you too. I could keep going, obviously, because there's a lot of ways to make mistakes. But uh, another mistake people would make is they they get their market information from uh, from colleagues or peers. And a lot of times those colleagues or peers are just as uneducated as they are. And so the you know somebody's already in the building. They didn't have representation. They didn't capitalize. They didn't get a good deal. And then the provider will say, well, what are you paying? Or what did you get? And then they tell them. And again, they're measuring themselves up against a failed process or an inefficient process or an average result. And then they say, oh, well, you know, that, that's pretty close to what he or she's paying. And but the reality typically is, well, that was a terrible deal as well. So you're you're consoling yourself for the fact that you got an average or a below market deal because someone else did as well. But that's you know, that's that's not the ideal scenario. Like it's it's well, you know, I, I, I was playing I was. I was playing basketball and, and the other, other person only scored two points and I, I scored two points as well. So that's pretty good. It's like, no, it's you know, several other people scored 15 or 20 points in that game. So it's, it's still not who, great. Who, yeah. Who are we comparing you against is the question. <laughs> uh, so is there anything else that, that we missed in, in this whole process? And then also what have, what have you got going on? Where can people find you? Do you have any other projects going on that you want people to know about? Uh, just give us that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I think the final thing that I would say is there's a misunderstanding also in commercial real estate as far as how commissions are paid. And that leads into a lot of the reasons people try to do it themselves mentality or they talk to their neighbors for help is they're thinking to themselves, well, I don't want to pay this commission. The good news in commercial real estate is that you should never pay a commission as a tenant or buyer. The landlord or the seller always pays the commissions. And it's just like residential real estate. You don't, you don't pay more for a house because there's an agent there. If the seller decides to hire an agent, they've got a commission built for the listing agent and for your, for your agent, the buyer's agent. Yep. And that fee is getting paid whether you have a broker agent or not. If you go do a residential transaction without an agent, the listing agent gets a double commission. And they'll tell you, oh, I'll give you a better deal if you don't have an agent. Well, unfortunately, that's just usually a, a flat out lie because they're going to make twice as much money. Yep. So in commercial real estate, uh, tenants and buyers should never be paying their agents ever. It's free representation. The, the landlord or the seller is going to pay that fee and they're either going to pay their agent a double commission or they're just going to pocket the money. If the landlord's doing the renewal themselves, uh, they're just going to pocket that, that, that side of the transaction themselves. So there's, there's no financial excuse why someone wouldn't hire an agent. It'd just be a matter of them finding the right person. Okay. Um, and then where can, I mean, obviously where, where can they find you? You're very knowledgeable. Um, you're, you work all over the U S correct. We do. Yep. So the best way to get in touch with us is our website and that's car.us, C-A-R-R.us. And in the upper right-hand corner of our website, we've got a couple tabs. One of them is find an agent. And so people can click on that. They can search by state, region, et cetera. Uh, they can search by their specialty and they can find an agent that specializes in representing just healthcare providers with no conflicts of interest in their city and their state. Uh, we, some of our larger markets too, we even have agents that all they do uh, are, are certain uh, sectors of healthcare. Some, some of our agents, all they do is therapy or all they do is medical or all they do is uh, veterinary or dental. And we've got people that understand uh, their, their practices, what's important to them, the build outs, uh, the, the patient flow, and 
they have a higher level of sophistication. They're a specialist. Uh, just like if you're going to get a hip replaced, you know, you, you're not going to, uh, you're not going to a psychologist. You're going to, uh, you're going to an orthopedic surgeon. We are that specialized too, when it comes to real estate for healthcare providers. Okay. Um, and then obviously it looks like they can find you on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, what can people kind of expect from content from those places? Absolutely. We do the best we can to have educational content uh, that educates healthcare providers, uh, shows them what other healthcare providers are doing. We do a lot of uh, a lot of educational articles and blogs. We do a lot of uh, in-progress projects and also completed projects. People can see what other people are doing as far as finishes, types of properties, et cetera. Uh, we do case studies. We do testimonials. Uh, we, do, we do a lot of videos about our company and our culture and how we are doing all we can to help the industry. So a lot of fun stuff, giveaways, you know, try to try to keep it, try to keep it real, try to keep it relevant, uh, do the best we can. All right, Colin, is there, is there anything else that you want to get across? Anything else you want to say? Uh, just that it's for us, it, it's a privilege to serve the healthcare industry. And we, we chose this industry for a reason, uh, because we believe in it. We believe in, uh, we believe in helping people who help people. And we, we take every transaction we do uh, as a badge of honor, just like, just like providers do with their patients. It's, you have the ability to have a very positive impact in someone's life and help them to get rid of a problem or reduce a problem or eliminate a problem, uh, improve their life. That's how we look at our transactions. If we can help a healthcare provider be more profitable, uh, they're going to end up being able to hire and train better staff. Uh, they're going to be more successful. They're going to be able to invest in, in higher and in, in uh, better quality equipment, technology, treatment, et cetera. And ultimately it just, it trickles down everything to the staff, the patients, the interactions, uh, their mindset. And so we look at every transaction as a chance to have a substantial impact in the provider's life. And we believe hundred percent in what we do. And, and that's our mission statement. Well, Colin, it's been a pleasure to have you on. I thank you so much for giving us all that information. Um, and it's uh, obviously could be very useful to us as well as many others across the U.S. Again, uh, you can find Colin uh, or Car Healthcare at Car Healthcare on Instagram and Twitter and then Car Healthcare on Facebook and Car Healthcare on YouTube or visit their website at car.us, C-A-R-R.us. Colin, it was a pleasure. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful week um, and uh, have a wonderful day. You too. Thanks so much. All right.